Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What is this cult really after on the Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power? Welcome back, you hobbit heads. Dan's right. That sounds weird when you say it. Anyways, welcome back to our weekly breakdown of The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. Last week's episode gave us the epic battle for Tyr Harad and the explosive reveal of Orodruin and the beginnings of Mordor. But in this week's episode, titled The Eye, we return to some real stranger danger and we finally get a little more insight into those mysterious Grim Shadies. But this episode still left us with a few more questions, like, are we sure we know who the stranger really is? Me. What are these white-robed people really after? Me. And who's ready for all of us to meet Hot Sauron already? Me. We're going to break down all of our latest theories here in just a sec, but in order to do so, we need to spoil the latest episode of The Rings of Power. So, if you haven't watched it yet, and you're worried about spoilers, leave now before things get a little too heated. Okay, so first off, let's at least cover some of the biggest answers that we got this episode. The Southlands are now unsurprisingly called Mordor, a Balrog lives in Khazadum's basement, Deesa's mom is evidence that dwarven women do in fact have beards, and we finally got an update on what's up with Middle-earth's most boring elf, Caliborn. Comment below if you know what Caliborn's original name was going to be. But among all of these answers, we are still left with plenty of questions. Most importantly, who are these spooky cult people and what do they want with Gandalf? I mean, Aloran. I mean, the stranger. We're finally getting a good look at these characters, known as the Nomad, the Ascetic, and the Dweller. But with only one episode left in the season, we will probably be left to keep wandering and wandering into season two at least. But along with their brief appearance in episode five, and with what we do know from Tolkien's other writings, we can at least make some pretty solid guesses as to who these creepy cultists really are. First off, cults are nothing new in Tolkien's writings. In fact, Tolkien had once planned a sequel to The Lord of the Rings titled The New Shadow, all about how a new cult of Sauron and Morgoth would rise among men, only a few hundred years after the War of the Ring. We also know that, unfortunately for Numenor, Sauron will eventually bring the cult of Morgoth to the island, which ultimately leads to Numenor's downfall. So, if you want my advice, next time the Valar gift you an island, don't build a temple for their sworn enemy and then start sacrificing humans, okay? As confirmed by executive producer Lindsay Weber in an interview with Time, this cult in the show hails from far to the east. This would place them among the Easterlings, the groups of men who live in the lands of Rune. At the beginning of the first age, when the races of men first awoke in the Far East, the Dark Lord Morgoth ended up being the first of the Valar to find them. He twisted their minds and hearts to worship him as a powerful god and to fear death. Eventually, many tribes of men would travel west to escape the darkness of Morgoth and they would befriend the elves in Beleriand. Those men who remained in the east would be known as the Easterlings, and they would ally themselves with Morgoth during the War of Wrath. We've actually seen Easterlings before in Peter Jackson's The Two Towers, and they fought for Sauron in the War of the Ring. These armies hail specifically from the Lands of Rune, but in the First Age, it could be said that Easterlings was just the name for any groups of men who never migrated west. After Morgoth's defeat at the end of the First Age, Sauron retreated to Middle-earth and quickly turned to further corrupting the minds and hearts of the Easterlings. With these cultists now confirmed as Easterlings, we can already see some of Sauron's influences. Sauron was known to be a sorcerer, and these three characters definitely have a knack for some dark magic. 
Also notice that their staff already looks like a precursor to the prongs and floating eye that we have seen in Peter Jackson's rendition of Sauron's form at the top of Barad-dûr. But I think their biggest relation to Sauron could possibly be that they are shapeshifters, or skin changers, similar to Bayorn from The Hobbit. What form did it take? Like a bear? But instead of turning into a bear, these characters could possibly change into the wolves that we see hunting and attacking the Harfoots and the Stranger. After all, both the wolves and the cultists were introduced in similar ways, appearing over the crest of a hill and by leaving footprints. Just as much, the wolves could be attack dogs sent by the cultists, but just like Clark Kent and Superman, we've never seen them in the same room together. So, just saying. Now, many of the Maiar, including Sauron, had the ability to shapeshift. And we can't wait until we eventually get to see Hot Sauron, the real Dadar, as Anatar, the Lord of Gifts. In the past, it is known that Sauron has taken the form of a great serpent, a vampire, and also a great wolf. Sauron even kept a bunch of pet werewolves for his boss Morgoth, and eventually killed Finrod, Galadriel's brother, with a werewolf in one of his dungeons. So, it wouldn't be too far of a stretch for these potential servants of Sauron to use some of their boss's old tricks. But as for what these cultists want with the stranger, this is where it gets a little tricky. At this point in the series, even though the stranger still has some issues to work out, it is definitely apparent that he is intent on doing some good, despite him being a peril at times. I'm peril. In a previous video, we've outlined our reasons why we think the stranger could go by the name Aloran, sent as an emissary of the Valar. Me. And now, with this most recent episode, the fact that Sadik literally sends him off to wander makes us even more confident this symbolizes that the stranger is Gandalf, the wandering wizard. Me. The cultists, on the other hand, don't really match the stranger when it comes to goodwill. But they too have an obsession with the same constellation as the stranger, especially since we see it on the back of their disc in episode 5. In the Years of the Trees, Varda, the Queen of the Valar, used the Dew of Telperion, the Silver Tree of Valinor, to create the brightest stars and their constellations. These constellations could be read as omens for ages to come and their impending dooms. So maybe both the Stranger and this cult are attracted to this symbol, either because of its original Light of the Trees of Valinor, or they see it as a way to predict the future. The skies are strange. These cultists also share similar fire abilities with the Stranger, albeit with much more control. Interestingly, we see another instance of fire not being characteristically hot. First, we saw the absence of heat in Sauron's abandoned Faradwaith Forge, then again when Nori fell into the Stranger's crater, and now when the Dweller extinguishes the flame when Largo tried to go full Aragorn on some ringwraiths. All instances where... It's quite cool. Quite cool indeed. But does this mean that the cult is related to Sauron, or are they more closely related to the Stranger himself? Or are we completely wrong about Gandalf and the Stranger is actually Sauron after all? Good gracious me. The cult could be just as mistaken about the Stranger's identity, just as much as everyone else is. Even without shoes, the Harfoots flip-flop back and forth on whether the Stranger is good or bad. And Waldrig and his questionable morals even interprets the comment as a definite sign of Sauron. But then again, Waldrig thinks everyone could be Sauron. You are Sauron, are you not? So this cult could be searching for a mysterious and powerful force like the Stranger, or they could be Harbingers trying to remove any potential threat to their Dark Lord Halbrand. I mean, Sauron. But seriously, about Halbrand, how is he still alive and riding a horse? Look at the shape of that brooch he's rocking now. Regardless, if he's Halbrand or Sauron, he's aiming to put a ring on Galadriel. Anyways, folks, that's all the cult info we have to offer until the next comet passes over Middle-earth. Join us next week when we break down our theories for the Rings of Power Season 1 finale. 
Dan will be back and I'll try to get him to say as many confusing names as possible. His mention of a river mouth could be the mouths of Syrian where he and his brother Maethros kidnapped Elrond and Elros to try and steal the Silmaril from... Oh my God, dude. <laughs> that was pretty fun. But tell us, what did you think of this episode? What do you think the cult really wants with a stranger? What do you think of our theories? Elf lies. Let us know in the comments below, and for the latest and greatest in the world of pop culture, stay tuned to Nerdist.com. Thank you